We've all experienced them, those twists of fate or chance which lead to results which we might never have expected or wanted, the infamous unintended consequences. They're often unfortunate, almost always forgivable, but there are also actions we take that have led to the avoidable, the predictable, the unforgivable, the intended consequences. It was suddenly a more meaningful Memorial Day in Uvalde, Texas. In addition to the usual remembrances of people who have served our country in the military, there were the painfully raw recollections of the events from that Tuesday, which took the lives of 21 people, 19 of whom were children who had not even experienced a dozen years of life. If a Memorial Day ever had the capacity to bring us to a state of somber reflection, this year's was the occasion. There should have been no dry eyes in Uvalde or anywhere else across the land on that day. There exists a disquieting sense of complicity, which is draped over our collective bereavement, a shroud not quite given a name, but which has gradually wrapped itself around our consciousness with each new week of gunfire tragedy. According to the Gun Violence Archive, an independent organization that collects data from over 7,500 sources, eight people have been killed and another 45 injured in the five days following the massacre at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde. We know what is happening. The body counts confirm what we have dared not concede, that more of our children are dying from bullets than any other cause. Yet despite what the statistics say about the horrific rise in gunfire deaths, we are content with such a result. There is no other conclusion to be reached in light of the bodies of children being removed from school sites. We certainly don't like it, but we will allow it. There is a fine line between desiring something to happen and permitting it to occur. Reporting from Uvalde included the heartbreaking stories of 10-year-old children calling 911 for help. Those kids had been taught their whole lives that when you are in trouble and need help, calling 911 is the lifeline. Their unanswered calls for help for their very lives were unheeded too long, just as this country's calls to our government for help with the shooting epidemic have been ignored in favor of political money. The unimaginable response from those who continue to turn a deaf ear on such cries is that, well, gun laws changes wouldn't have prevented Uvalde. Maybe or maybe not. But steps such as background checks or raising the age for gun purchase or red flag provisions might very well prevent the next Uvalde. Doing nothing only assures us of more Sandy Hooks and Parklands. Doing nothing and expecting any different result is the definition of insanity, which is precisely what this scourge represents. 
The AR-17 automatic weapon used in the Uvalde massacre, like its automatic cousins, is manufactured to do only one thing, kill human beings. It's not a hunting rifle. It is not used for pest control on the farm or even for any meaningful target practice. Its ammunition is designed to inflict the maximum amount of damage to its targets. Parental DNA samples were required to identify the unidentifiable in Uvalde. Whether that renders the AR-17 or an AK-47 a menace to society or not, its ownership by anyone who has not been thoroughly vetted for authorized ownership constitutes a clear and present danger to every citizen of the United States. That such a weapon is more easily available to an 18-year-old than the purchase of a six-pack of beer is unconscionable and simply negligent. Even the adoption of a rescue dog required me to undergo a background check. The other reality with regard to ownership of the AR-17 and others of its ilk is this. If the day ever comes when citizens rise up against their government in violent protest over perceived loss of representation, the AR-17 will not win the day, regardless of how many copies of the gun there may be. A government with the focus of quelling a citizen's uprising will barely blanch at the prospect of facing such weapons. Their firepower will be far beyond anything the rest of us may find in a catalog or local gun shop. I am a gun owner. I was raised in a home where my dad maintained 12 gauge and 410 shotguns for hunting. My brother is a gun owner. But I also own a car for which I must have attained an appropriate age, successfully passed a proficiency test, and which requires my ongoing demonstration of acceptable behavior behind the wheel. If I am judged by law enforcement and the courts to be too unstable to be licensed, I lose the privilege to drive. It is not an infringement of my constitutional rights, but a measure deemed necessary for the safety of society at large. Thank goodness that there is no lobbying group, say something like the National Roadway Association, NRA, to lobby against such common sense security measures. What we choose to tolerate as a society is a clear reflection of our character, our priorities, and our intended consequences.